I was always told that you should close the door if you're leaving a room that's really dark because that way the demons don't come after you. Who's telling you this? Nobody. That was a joke. Last time I said it was, uh, what was the word I used? Episode. No, I mean, like, what What was the word that, I, like, wonderful? Like, oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, there we go. I don't have, like, an adjective word this for this episode. This one's going to be mediocre at least. <laughs> at least. I'm your host, co-host, Josh. And I'm Megan. And today, stuff. yeah, stuff and things, Lori. Anyway, <laughs> you still don't know what that means. I don't. So today... I'm a bad friend. I'm excited because we're not talking about Walking Dead, although we definitely could at some point. Today we're talking about my favorite thing in the whole world, Josh. Do you know what that is? It's really your favorite thing? I'm pretty sure. Are we still on the same subject? I mean, I thought we were too. Harry Potter, right? Yeah. I didn't know that was like your favorite thing in the whole world. nine different tattoos of Harry Potter alone. Okay, never mind. Yeah, it can be your favorite thing now. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't realize all of your tattoos were Harry Potter related. Well, not all of them. I have 15 and nine of them. So more than half. I, I thought you had nine tattoos... No. That were then all Harry Potter. No. You have 15 tattoos, nine of which are Harry Potter. Yes. I love you. Is that like you shaming me for my amount of tattoos? Not at all. That's right. You don't ever tattoo shame. Tattoos are beautiful and they're they, works of art. They Unless can you got be. Unless you in prison, in which case, stop doing that. They they can be beautiful and works of art. Pepsi but does not make a tattoo look pretty. No. Makes it look real gross. Also fair. And kills you. Anyway... <laughs> So, uh, we're talking Harry Potter, because it's the end of the month. True. Getting close to Harry and JK and Neville and all the other July birthdays. And, uh, yeah, I'm really excited, so... Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I get really off topic, and now, like, I'm literally picturing all of the different things that happened in Harry Potter in my head, and I'm not focused on this podcast at that's, all. That's a lot of things. Let's just cancel it, and we'll just go watch Harry Potter instead. That's your assignment for the week, guys. Just go watch Harry Potter. I don't. I don't feel like we should just cancel the podcast here and... Tell them to go watch Harry Potter. That, that doesn't make for a good podcast. We've only been doing this for like two minutes. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we need to give them content, Megan. Okay, after we give you the content, just assume that Harry Potter is even better than the content we're giving you. Go watch it. Go read it. Go fanfic it. No. Ooh, we're, you, you, you you, you've been fanfic, on this whole fanfic thing for far fanfics. too long. No. Sorry. No, I'm Megan. Not really. I'm not, actually. Stop. <laughs> Stop this. Stop inviting the internet to do things you probably don't want it to do. Oh, I want it to do it. Any any type of fanfic that's Harry Potter related, give it to me. It doesn't even have to be Dramine or AU Divergence or whatever. It just it just needs to be fanficy and beautiful. So weird news. <laughs> <laughs> He's cutting me off already. So weird news. Okay, so I went first last time. Yeah, so I'm so gonna go first this time because I have I have this really freaking crazy story. Okay. So check this out. In Spain, right? España. España. The Spanish police found, I should you not, 8,000 pounds of stolen oranges at a traffic stop. Okay, pause, because I feel like we've done this weird news before. Have you? I don't know if I have. It was in like four different cars, right? No, it was in, it was in, hang on. Uh, one was like an SUV. One's like a tiny white car. It was yes, it was four different cars. Never mind, Megan. How dare you? I don't think I did. I think Jesse did at one point. In how like dare episode. you? Ah! <laughs> hey, it's old episode. This is new. 
Guys, we're going to learn about some origins today because this shit is crazy. No, it's real crazy. So, um, and it, it happened a while ago. This is back in like 2015. Uh, but no, five suspects were arrested um, after they stopped five cars and all of them had a total like 8,000 pounds of stolen oranges. Um, there were, no, it's three cars. It's two cars in a van. Um, they were, they were stopped. It says last week, but obviously this is like 2015. Yeah. Um, oh Lord, no ad, go away. There we go. Yeah. Five people were detained, a total of three cars and the arrests were important, not only for thwarting the theft, but also in preserving the food security of the possible consumers who would have had those oranges. Maybe they just really were concerned about vitamin C, okay? They're helping out communities. 8,000 pounds? They're helping out a lot of people, Josh. That's no, a lot of vitamin C needs. They're selling that, and those can't be good oranges. They've been in a car for forever. How do, how do you know that they've been in a car for forever? Maybe they just stole those oranges, and now they're going immediately to give them to the people. I'm trying to figure out where you f- where you find that many oranges to fit in three cars. I'm trying to figure out how somebody let them get away with that many oranges. Also fair. I'm just saying, if they were able to steal all of those and you just let them do that, that's your fault. You lost those oranges. Those are no longer your oranges. They earned those oranges. I, I would Everyone's agree. hating on these people for stealing the oranges. They, they're the Robin Hood of oranges. I bet you if they hadn't, if they only stole like half the oranges, they would have been able to. That's like, still four thousand pounds of oranges, though. Well, yeah, but I, I feel like they would have been able to easily, more easily hide them. They wouldn't have been like piling up in the car. Yeah, or they could have just taken one car, and then the other two could have been like they could have like Italian jobbed that shit and like, and, like decoy it, yeah. cars, and then like they put it. What do they do? Like put it behind a train. Or something, and then they come up, and they're in the water. I don't know. Italian Job had some crazy shit going on. Also fair. Have you ever seen Fast and Furious? Italian Job's even better with Mini Coopers. It's Fast and Furious with Mini Coopers. I'm sorry, I'm way off topic now. It's, it's Oranges. okay. I'm listening. Well, I mean that that was that was basically <laughs> the, the gist of the article. Was a uh, eight thousand pounds of stolen. Well, draw me to it was you know the eight thousand pounds part. That is a lot of oranges. Like how, and I mean you look at the pictures, like they're they're literally like yeah, like they are just everywhere my question is like okay in this in one of the pictures like the oranges are literally spilling out as as soon as they open the door so like how did they pack them in there like that how did how did i would imagine you probably would have the back doors closed Uh and they were like throwing them in the back from the front yeah that's true or then or maybe they put them in through the windows and the window was just like cracked also possible i don't know until it was like full up that they couldn't do that anymore and then tossed them from the back I kind of wanted them to fill the whole car and then, like, tow the car instead of, <laughs> like, saving a seat for the driver. I don't know why that makes... Is somebody knocking? No, Sam is upstairs and he's oh, okay. scratching his butt and then he sits right above us, so... Oh, okay. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure that wasn't somebody, like, randomly trying to get in the house. No, I don't think that's going to show up here on the podcast. If you do hear it on the podcast, I'll leave this section in here so that you know that that thumping is not just us ignoring someone at the door. <laughs> now I'm cutting this shit, though. Either way. So, yeah, so, that yeah. was my news. Uh, so, my news so, is... 8,000 uh, oranges. Yeah, not as cool as 8,000 oranges, to be sure. Um, but it does involve um, 420 eggs. 420 blaze it. I'm sorry, I couldn't help it. That's okay. Um, okay, so for those of you guys that have seen Beauty and the Beast, you know in the opening number to Belle, there's a line that says, I need six eggs, and then someone responds, that's too expensive. 
And someone on Tumblr pointed out that, you know, hey, this lady can't afford six eggs. And that always struck me as a little bit odd. But then I figured maybe it was just normal in a poor French village. I mean, look at all the little kids she has. She has like two older kids and then three triplets and they're all squirming around. Anyway, she's like, she probably struggles to afford any kind of food to feed all of them. You know, she's poor and has lots of kids. Um, it says, but later we discover something interesting about Gaston in his song, Gaston. He eats five dozen eggs. Yeah, four dozen eggs as a kid every morning and then five dozen eggs as an adult, which means that he eats 60 eggs every day or 420 eggs per week. That's why the village does not have enough <laughs> to go around. That's because why they're Gaston so eats expensive. Yeah, it says Gaston is a well-respected and, and successful business person because he is a good hunter. Like, as big of a douche as he is, like, he is a very good hunter. So he probably makes plenty of money to afford these eggs. And so, he so he's single-handedly ruining the town's economy. Um, I'm trying to figure out because I want to give her credit. It's Aqua Heart Girl on Tumblr. Has figured this out, did all the math, and uh, I like someone, uh, Dretany responded, or Dretania, sorry. Uh, well, shit, that's one hell of a mystery. No one thought there was a mystery and really didn't need solving, but it just got solved, and it's a nice world now. Like, <laughs> I, I just, I, I guess I didn't pay close enough attention to the lyrics. Like, in my head, I was like, okay, she can't afford it, you know, so what? But, like... I just, like, completely passed over that. Like, I, I never even yeah. thought about that being a thing. Now, I do remember the part about the Gaston song, him eating, like, four or five dozen eggs. Like, uh -huh. that doesn't make sense, like, every fucking morning. Sixty eggs in one morning. Like, no. My question is... I can is barely eat more than five. Yeah, my question is, does he, like, drink them, blend them, scramble them? Like, how does he eat the eggs? That must be, like, the only thing he eats is but just But he just eggs. says every morning. Like, is that all he eats for the whole day? Because that's a lot of cholesterol, dude. Well, yeah, but, like, he also works that out because, you know, he hunts. But, like, at the same time, like, what else are you eating after five dozen eggs? <laughs> I don't think you What else do you eat? eat? <laughs> exactly. Like, <sighs> that's, like, far too many calories. And we're talking, like, like old school, like, French people eggs. Like, these aren't, like, fucking... Like tiny ass pasteurized eggs that we get from like chickens yeah, we have no, now. These are, like these legit are fucking eggs. big ass like eggs, man. Yeah. From like big ass chickens. Cause that's what the, that's what actually existed back in that time. So I mean, we already knew that Gaston was an asshole, but Gaston is also the asshole that is ruining his French town's so, economy. So not only is he ruining the French town's economy, he's also after this girl that has no interest in him. Yeah. And he won't take no for an answer, which is also super douchey. Have we said he's a douche yet? Because he's a douche. He is a douche. Very, very, very douchey. So very yeah, douchey. mystery solved. I, I agree with that Dratania person. Like, I didn't know I needed that mystery solved. Like, it didn't. It doesn't really change my life. But like, but like the more you know, right? Yeah. I always want to do that thing with my hands. Like the rainbow. Like the rainbow star. The more you know. Rainbow. Speaking of mysteries, the segway, segways, segway, segways into my uh, point because we talked about Harry Potter, right? Mm -hmm. And since it's your favorite thing, I know that you've read all the books, uh -huh. and I would assume you've also seen all the movies, correct? Yeah. Okay. That probably goes without saying. I am not as much of a Potter nerd as you are. No, you're not. I have I only... I tell. It, like, it radiates from some people. Really? And I'm not getting that radiation. Okay. That's fine. Sometimes That's fine. I feel poisoned by the amount of radiation. And with those people, I just hug them tighter and I ask them to give it to me. But with you... <laughs> I'm sorry for who I am. I don't. I don't even have a response for that. I was trying to be 
dumb, and then the dumb like just came off as idiotic, and I was like, I can't stop. I, I just, it's, it's okay. You own that. You own that. I derailed. It's so okay. Hard. It's okay. But no, the 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 thing I wanted to discuss because I I, I very commonly hear throughout all the people who have both seen both medias mm-hmm. of Harry Potter that the books are consistently better than the movies. This is the truth. So I want you mm-hmm. to convince me mm-hmm. because I don't believe that. Uh huh. All right. So you've you've educated me many a time especially when it comes to anime and things that I'm just generally not good at. There's lots of things, okay? Um, so I'm willing to educate you today. Okay. Help you come to realize the error of your ways, um, starting with the fact that you don't believe that statement. So, first off, oh gosh, where do I even want to start first off? This is such... I, I've never had someone legitimately say these things to me before. So I can I can break down the arguments that I hear most often, uh-huh. and we can talk about them sure. individually. Okay. So the first uh, thing that I hear the most often is that the movie doesn't cover all the things that the books do. Like well, there there are parts yeah. of the books that don't exist in the movies, yes. and those parts that are missing are very important. They are now not every movie is going to cover every aspect of every single book. True. Ever. Like the, you just you can't unless you're Lord of the Rings and you do the extended version. In which case. Good on you. I love the extended version of Lord of the Rings. But with Harry Potter, they don't just gloss over little things. They leave out entire characters and they change entire plot points. For example, let's go Goblet of Fire, okay? Okay. Goblet of Fire. Yes. Probably my favorite of the entire movie sequences. I picked a good one then. (laughs) From your standpoint... Who gives or tells Harry or gives Harry the gillyweed that he uses to you swim in the? Who does? Yeah, who does it? Uh, no, no, yeah, Neville, yeah. Okay, Neville. That doesn't happen in the book. You want to know what happens in the book? What happens in the book? Harry stays up studying all night and falls asleep and never finds uh, an answer. Wakes up like maybe ten, fifteen minutes before he's supposed to be there and is like freaking out. And Dobby keeps wanting to talk to him, and he's like, you know, Dobby. Unless you have a way for me to be able to breathe underwater for an hour, I need you to leave me alone. And Dobby's like, oh, I, I do. And he poofs into Snape's closet, steals the gillyweed, poofs back, and gives it to Harry. That whole thing with Neville never happened. At oh. all. Neville did not give him shit. Oh. And they changed the whole plot to revolve around Neville because they wanted to start presenting Neville as this heroic character. But there, there was no point for it. Like, literally... You see Dobby in the second movie, and then you don't see him again until he's almost dead. Basically. That would have been a perfect point to remind people, hey, Dobby's a thing. But no, they didn't. They changed it. Um, Let's see. Oh, goodness. Um, In the movies, they never show you the change in Dudley. They just let you keep thinking that he's a giant douchebag. So he's not always Mm -mm. a... And the worst part about it is uh, in the movie, they actually, if you watch the deleted scenes, they filmed the exact scene that I'm talking about um, and then chose not to put it in the movie. And I'm just like, why? (laughs) Um, But when he's getting, I guess it's not the last movie, actually, it's when the Dursleys move out of the house and they're trying to move Harry to a secure location. And Vernon is leaving in the car and he's like, it's all right, Uncle Vernon. I know you've always thought that I was a waste of space. And he's like, right, you are or whatever. And he's heading into the car. Dudley gets out of the car because he hears this conversation go down, goes over to Harry, shakes his hand, and says, I've never thought you were a waste of space. 
and then leaves and gets back in the car. Just kind of saying, like, I know I treated you like crap, but I just want you to know that, like, I know what you're doing, and it's heroic, and I'm sorry for how I treated you. Like, and they didn't put any of that in the movie. Um, God, you never meet Winky the house elf, which, if we're being completely honest, if you had to skip a character, I understand. The character I don't understand is they completely left out Peeves the Poltergeist. Peeves the Poltergeist is just an incredibly important part of the story, and they leave a lot of the other characters in there and a lot of the other storyline in there, and then they just pretend that Peeves doesn't exist. And he is a huge part of most of the books. Can you explain to me why? Um, he's just, he's the resident prankster. He does... Like at Hogwarts? Yes. Okay. So anytime anything is going wrong, it's Peeves. Anytime that a bathroom is broken, it's Peeves. Anytime that Filch is pissed off, it's Peeves. Why haven't, if he's such trouble, like why don't they just get rid of him? That That's the whole point is that uh, Filch wants to get rid of him and Dumbledore won't let him. Oh. <laughs> um, so I, I am pretty upset about him not being in there. Um, just because throughout the entire series, he's like so present in so yes, many things. Yes, all the time. And I mean, he's not a huge, you know, bit player or whatever. It's, it's not like, you know, without Peeves, the entire story unravels. But like, out of all of the characters they left out in the story, Peeves is like the number one that just gets to me. It Peeves me. <laughs> No? Okay, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> Actually, I thought that was cute, but I wanted to I wanted to stonewall you to see how you respond to the stonewall. Like, okay, so, yes. I, I, I can't get mad that they left things out for the sole reason that, once again, not every movie... We'll, we'll have all of the We'll book. have every part of everything all the time. But they leave out incredibly important parts... And some of the movies are only, you know, they're under two hours. You could have easily added another ten-minute scene, and it would not have ruined your book. Um, the one example that I give to people all the freaking time is one that like really would have pulled on your heartstrings and elevated Molly Weasley as a character. Um, it's in Order of the Phoenix, and the Grimmauld Place has a boggart. And if you remember those from the, I guess that would be the third movie... Boggarts are the things that are they turn into your biggest fear. Okay, yeah. That, and that's, you have to use Ridiculous to get rid of them. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what I thought they were, Yeah, but I thought they were called something else. No, they're Boggarts. Okay. Um, and they have one in Grimmauld Place, and Molly keeps trying to get rid of it because she doesn't want it to keep scaring people. Well, Molly's biggest fear is losing her family. So as she's trying to fight off this Dementor, it's... Or not Dementor. Why did I call it a Dementor? Uh, she's trying to fight off this Bogger. It's constantly turning into dead members of her family. So she has to laugh and ridiculous each one of her dead family members. Oh. One by one. Oh. And then one of them is, is Harry. And Harry sees this happening at the end. And he finally, he sees Ron and then he sees himself. And he realizes that Molly really does think of him as her son. And afterwards, she just sits there and weeps on the floor after, because she literally saw her worst fears realized right in front of her face. Right. And so it was just, it's really, really hard to watch, but like that would have elevated her as a character so goddamn much. 
And instead, the movie's just really, really centered around Harry and his little group, and everyone else is just a side player. You know who they are, but they're not that important. And one of the things that J.K. Rowling did really well in the books is that even your second-rate players have really deep and meaningful backstories Mm. that you just can't express in a two-hour movie like that. Okay. You just, you can't. Okay. Okay, what's another issue that you've heard? So, the other thing, uh, because there were like three kind of main points. The first is that the the books don't or the movies don't cover as much as the books mm-hmm. like there's parts left out the second is that the characters aren't as developed you kind of mentioned this yeah. at the end of it uh in the movies in comparison to the books um and that that might have something to do with what you're talking about how you yes. don't really always have um kind of the time to flesh out Mm-mm. all of the characters the and what's characters, going on you, you i would don't agree get enough at all like harry everyone sees him as like this really serious kind of emo-ish guy like i mean i don't know how else to play it they, they really don't see him as like this fun loving sarcastic whatever but um for example like with um his aunt and uncle and dudley and everything when dudley gets into smeltings that's the second movie um he has like this smeltings stick or whatever and he's like oh yeah i'm gonna go and i'm gonna beat up people because like that's literally a part of their private school thing is you get a smelting stick and it's to be used to hit other people with i can't make this shit up so it's like okay if if you're dumb enough to get hit with a stick like you're gonna learn to toughen up basically and so he's like you know harry i really could use some practice on on my swirlies so why don't you go upstairs and we'll practice and he's like oh i'm sorry dudley i don't think that your head will fit in the toilet and runs upstairs like he's sarcastic and hilarious all the time like just quips all like that and in the movie they're like my name's harry and i'm the chosen one and man i just i don't know how i'm gonna do all this hard work on my own but I guess I just have to try. Like, I no, no. In the Goblet of Fire, he's he. Uh, she's like, she's only trying to slip you a love potion because she thinks you're the chosen one. And his response back is, I am the chosen one. That's the only time you get to see Harry like he is in the books, where he's like making funny, quippish comments. And I just wanted more of that because I don't feel like they captured Harry's character, and he's the main character. Like, if you're not going to capture Molly or Remus or like one of the I can't, I hate to keep calling them second rate players, but in the movie in movie terms side they really are. Yeah, yeah, side characters or whatever. But um, if you want to make them less developed in a movie, I understand. But like your main character really should stay as true to the books as you can get them, I, in my opinion. And they, I just don't feel like they did it with Harry okay. at all. Do you do you feel like there are any other characters other than kind of the side? characters that weren't as fleshed out in the movies like uh, Ron or Hermione maybe mm. or were they pretty true again I've not read a book so I don't Hermione know. was actually pretty true um they did a really good job Emma Watson did a really good portrayal in my opinion um because I mean that really is what Hermione is she wants to make sure that everyone is on their shit all the time you know she really doesn't ever let go I mean I think they did a pretty decent portrayal of her um with Ron, even, I think they did a really decent portrayal, especially in Goblet of Fire, when you finally see um, 
So Ron, Ron is the youngest boy in his family, and he has all these other expectations to live up to. And they do a, they do a pretty good job in the first movie of explaining what he sees in the mirror of Irised, mm-hmm. where he's like, I'm Quidditch captain, and I've won the House Cup, and I'm head boy, and all the basically everything his older brothers have done. So in Goblet of Fire, Ron is finally on the Quidditch team, and he's, you know, finally making his headway, and he's, you know, going to be made, he's hoping to be made a prefect and all this other shit, and now all of a sudden Harry's the youngest person to ever have his name put in the Goblet of Fire, and all of the attention is off of him again. And he's like, I finally am doing something, and now you're ripping it away. And you can finally see that part of Ron that's like, I am tired of being glanced over. So they did a pretty decent job of that. Um... You definitely don't get nearly as much time with Draco as you do in the books. And I actually am okay with that from a movie standpoint because you can't focus the movies around Harry and then have the omniscience that the book gives you sometimes That's where fair. you can see these side things. Like, really, the only time the movie does that is when Snape and um, Narcissa make the unbreakable vow, which is obviously not something that Harry would have been able to see. Right. Um, or, like, the random shit going on with, like, Voldemort and his minions. Yes. They, they do a, little things like that. But you get to see a lot, a little bit more. I mean, not a lot more. But you get to see a little bit more Draco that you don't really get to see in the movies. Um, you don't learn about Fenrir Greyback at all, and Fenrir Greyback is also a really important character. And the weird thing is that he's in the movie. You just don't know why he's important. So Fenrir Greyback is a he's a murderer and he's a werewolf and he just goes around killing children and like turning children. Innocent children. Yes. That's his that's his thing. He loves to do it. He's just really fucking evil. And he's the one that attacked, oh, I really hope I'm getting the brother right, Charlie Weasley. Let's hope I got that. There's so many Weasleys. I know it's not Percy, George, Fred, or Ron, so it's either Charlie or Bill. It might be Bill. I'm pretty sure it's Bill. It's Bill. Charlie works with dragons. Bill's the one that got scratched by a werewolf. Anyway. Um, And if I'm not mistaken, he may have been either the one that turned Lupin or he was in some somehow in cahoots with the one that turned Lupin. But yeah, he just really likes to turn kiddos. That's super cool. Um, and they have him. He's the real big guy that's in Borgen and Burks in the one movie when they're like looking oh, in. Oh, yeah. And he comes to the tower when Dumbledore gets, you know, bye yeah. So um, he's in the movie. They just don't explain who he is. Huh. Yeah. Um, so it's like That's little, interesting. little decisions like that where it's like, oh, it's so much cooler in the books because you know exactly who he is and why everyone hates him. Um, another thing, and you probably know this just by having friends that like Harry Potter, but did you know that Remus and, uh, Tonks had a kid? Like, no, they don't talk about that in the movies at all. They got married and had a kid, and he didn't even want to be with her or marry her at first because he was older and he wasn't sure whether or not his werewolf gene would get passed on. He wasn't sure whether, you know, he he kept denying her advances, and you really don't know any of that. You don't get to know, like, you literally meet Tonks, you meet Remus, and then in one movie, all of a sudden, they're together. They don't explain any of it, and then before the battle, they have a boy, his name is Teddy. And that Harry mentions it in the end. He's like, Remus, your son. And he goes, he's fine. 
I remember that part. Yes, but you but, don't. Yeah, you don't even like, know. I kind of just like let that fly he's, over he's me because like one at the time, like he he had just been born, and they went and they died anyway, which is super sad because that's what Harry's parents did too. Um, and just in case you're wondering, Harry is his godfather. So huh. yeah, he he's good. Um, but like, there's little things like that that you just don't learn about. You don't learn about the fact that Buckbeak um, and Sirius were together for like forever, and that Buckbeak actually stayed in Grimmauld Place after Sirius died. He left him to Harry, and Harry gave him back to Hagrid, and Hagrid introduced him to the school as a new hippogriff. And I cannot remember the name that they used to save the life of me, but like, he got to go back to Hogwarts. You don't know any of that. Um, you don't know anything about Ferenz. The um, centaur that you meet in the very first movie oh, yeah, that yeah. tells him about the unicorn. Yeah. So Ferenz betrays the centaurs because they have a rule that, like, they can literally read the future in the stars. Like, literally. It is not like, oh, I think it's going to rain. Like, they can literally see the future and big events in the stars. But because they see that as, they like, their curse, they can't share it. Well, I remember that being, like, a line in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. And but, like, he, him, him being bothered because he was... Like, exiled because of the fact that... Yeah, so he actually does get exiled by all of the other centaurs. Um, and then he gets like, some information on, like, Dumbledore or something, I think? Yeah. Yeah. And then in the last few movies, he goes to teach for the school along with Trelawney. And Trelawney gets real upset about it because she thinks that Dumbledore's trying to replace her. And he's like, no, I just want, like, an extra person there. But it's because Ferenc shared that information. And anytime he would try to go back into the dark forest or whatever the centaurs would literally try to kill him oh they were like no you need to leave or we will kill you oh so like yeah he becomes a teacher uh you don't know anything about professor bins the history teacher so uh i can literally describe him really quick he was an old history teacher that literally died in his classroom one night while going over uh notes and then just ghosted out of his body in the morning and continued teaching class like nothing had happened he just, like, died of old age? Yeah, died of old age in his classroom, woke up in his classroom as a ghost, and then just started teaching class like nothing had happened. And he's still a professor there. He teaches the history of magic. So they just let him continue? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay. <laughs> yes. Free labor, dude. Like, do you have to pay a ghost? I don't think so. Nor do you have to, like, feed Yeah, right. I mean, it's go- just... Like, what? God, you learn about so much. Nearly had this Nick finally gets into the Headless Hunt. Um... You don't know about Spew. It's an organization that Hermione starts to free house elves. It's the Society uh, for Protection of Elvish Welfare. And, like, she goes around and tries to, like, pass out buttons and, and get people to back her on freeing house elves. And, like, of course, no one's doing it. And so she starts trying to secretly free house elves by leaving little bits of clothes all around the common room. Because what you don't know um, from the movies is that house elves... They work in the whole place. They don't just make the dinners and stuff. They don't just make the food. They clean up in the common rooms and everything at the end of every night. So Hermione starts, like, putting garbage underneath or, like, on top of little hats and socks and stuff. So none of the house elves will clean. They send Dobby to clean the Gryffindor common room every night because they know that she's hiding clothes in there. And they – there's, like, this whole issue of – they don't want to be free. At least they're claiming they don't want to be free. And she doesn't understand that. And Ron, who's grown up in a society where house elves are just there, is like, leave them alone. They obviously don't want this. And she's like, hi, I'm from the muggle world. You don't fucking know what you're talking about. Like, so it's, there's just so much that obviously you can't fit every single little thing into the movie. 
But I feel like some of these things, though, could have had, like, a scene or two. Yes, they could have. And, I mean, I'm just going back to that point with that scene with Dudley. They even filmed it. It was a literal, like, 40-second scene. You're telling me they couldn't find any spot for that in the movie? No, they probably could have, but it's movie, like, in movie things. Okay, so that was, that was, those are kind of points one and two. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the third point, and this is kind of not necessarily about Harry Potter, but about, like, books to movies in general, is that sometimes they will, like, miss important themes or focus on incorrect things. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, how, um, and, and I don't know exactly how this was supposed to work, but I believe, like, Neville was supposed to be an important character. Oh, And, yeah. like, he becomes one, kind <laughs> of. Uh, but, like, I think, I think... The way that the movies go about making Neville an important character was like maybe different than it happened in the books. So you find out in the books with Neville specifically that Neville could have easily been the chosen one. Neville was born on July 30th. Harry was born on July 31st. Both of his parents were Aurors. The prophecy stated that a kid born around that time, two parents that fought against them, would be the one to defeat him. Just because of the power between Frank and Alice Longbottom and between James and Lily Potter, he decided that Harry would be his best bet. So that's why he went after the Potters. He sent Bellatrix after um, Neville's parents, and she tortured them to insanity. Neville's parents are alive. They're in St. Mungo's. St. Mungo's is a hospital, and it's basically where you go when you can't fix yourself. So his parents are literally insane, and he goes to visit them all the damn time. And his mom keeps giving him things. She'll give him, because she knows that that's her son, and she thinks that she should give him something. So it's always like a gum wrapper or a candy wrapper, but he takes it like a gift from his mom. So Harry and Hermione are at St. Mungo's, and for the life of me right now, I'm spacing on why. But they see Neville there, and so you get his whole backstory. You meet his grandma, who's, like, awful, and, like, you start to understand why Neville is so afraid to mess up or basically do anything because his grandma is like, your parents did this, and now this is how your parents ended up. And everyone else in his family is like, well, you're nowhere near as strong as Frank and Alice. Like, so he's, like, constantly being picked on or told not to do something by his family. So, like, that's why he's so cowardly all the time because he's really afraid of letting his family down or making like or making it worse or not living up to his parents reputation especially because his parents are still very much alive and wants to make them proud so like the, the i know you want me to get off fanfic but i promise it'll be like super 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 quick okay okay for those of you that read the books and you already know that backstory there is a really short fan fiction out there where a lot of people think that um, Neville grows up to marry Hannah Abbott. Now that's just one of those fan fiction theory things because it says in the book that he and Luna never ended up getting together. And they say that in the movie, oh, hey, you know, I got to go tell Luna how I feel about her. And then it didn't happen, which is actually kind of cool. That was in the books too. Um, so he takes Hannah to meet his parents at the St. Mungo's place. This is not in the book. I want to preface this by once again stating this is a fanfic. Um, and takes her to meet her and then goes to see his mom at the end of the day or whatever he's like mom you know she's the one I'm gonna marry and I know you might not understand that but I'm gonna propose to her so before he left he sticks out his hand expecting to get a gum wrapper and she gives him her ring instead to kind of show that like I've been listening and I know I can't 
state how much I love you, but I understand that you love her and here's my wedding ring for you to give to her. And so it's like for those of you guys that read the book, it's like one of those fan things. It's like, why did you crush my heart like this? Why have you done this? Oh, but it's so good. And if you don't read the books, then stuff like that doesn't get to you because you don't understand why it's significant. Right. Like you don't like understand. I, I would have I would have not known any of that. No. It's so, so, so good. Oh. But, I mean, like, that's a huge plot point. And you never get to see Neville really develop in the movies. All of a sudden, he's, you know, he's cowardly Neville. He's the one that doesn't want anybody to get in trouble. He In the movies, he does that little thing with the gillyweed just so that you can see, hey, Neville's still in these movies. And then all of a sudden, he's, like, Like, he's a fucking badass. Yeah, like, like, right? like, what? Out of nowhere. I'm a hero now. Like, that's not how Neville develops in the books. He just slowly over time comes into his own, you know? Right. Especially after that part at St. Mungo's, he kind of realizes, like, and they don't out him and they don't out his parents. They don't tell anybody about that because he doesn't want people to know mm-hmm. how bad his parents are and stuff. And he realizes, I have friends that I can trust. And that, like, really boosts his confidence level. He also realizes what he's good at. He's great at herbology. And so, like, he finds his niche. And, you know, he really does help with the... um Dumbledore's army or whatever while they're all out hunting when they come back into the school and sneak Harry and them back in he really is the one that like comes to get them with Alberforth like he's you know he's there he's been running it the whole damn time and they really don't show that to you that he and Seamus were like getting shit done we're leading this shit I know you guys are out there doing your shit we're doing shit here like god it's so good it's so good I believe you (sighs) I'm, I'm, I'm getting like these little chills because it's not often that people ask me questions like that. Like, hey, explain to me what I'm missing in the books. And I'm like, just fucking read them. Like, don't ask me what you're missing. Find out. Well, like, that's the thing. Like, uh, all the people that I've talked to about this kind of subject tell me just that. Like, just read the books. Yeah. But, like, that's not going to help me want to read them. Like, I, I, it's important for me. And the examples are also really important because then they, they really help me understand like the context mm-hmm. behind what I'm missing. But more importantly, I think that like, just like how there's a, there may be a lot of differences between like how an anime presents things and how it would happen in the manga. I think that there's an importance behind like how books portray things, like how they're originally written and then how they were adapted for the screen. Yeah. Now granted anime and manga don't always have that dis- that same amount of disconnect usually for a different reason. But, um, as a whole, like it's it's a whole lot harder to make something like a book happen in full mm-hmm. with movies because you need the right people and that's not always the option and a couple of other things. But as a like that like just this conversation alone actually helps a lot mm-hmm. to um kind of help me figure out why so many people like the books more than the movies. Cause to say that I haven't read one is technically incorrect. I've read most of the first one, but that was after I watched the first movie. Yes. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, this is a book based, or this is a movie based on a book. Well, let's go see what that book is like then. Yep. And then I got I got through, like, half of it, and I was like, well, the new movie's out, so yeah. I guess I'll just watch that. <laughs> so if it makes you feel any better, I did not start out reading the books. I started out with the first movie. I saw the first movie. I said, holy shit, mom, this is amazing. Yeah, seven-year-old me said, holy shit, mom, this is amazing. Actually, I think I was nine at the time, but whatever. Anyway, 
And so she went out and she bought me the first book. I read the first book in literally a night. And I was like, this is fantastic. Now, I didn't think that for the first three chapters. For the first three chapters, I was like, what is happening? Because it's nothing to do with the movie. In the movie, they don't do any of the beginning subplot where they're teaching you about who the Dursleys are and what Vernon does for a job and, like, right. what they, you know, they don't do any of, like, the previous. All of a sudden, they're just like, oh, nope, Harry's 11 now. There you go. And so it's really... It was really different for me reading it, but I was like, okay, I'm going to keep reading it. I'm going to force myself to get through. I want to see what it's about, and I'm really happy that I did because immediately after that, she went out and bought me the next two books because the first three books were out by the time that the first movie was made. Right. Um, and then I had to sit there and wait and wait and wait. I read the first, I read the third book four times before I finally got the fourth one, but I, I didn't. I'm not like those that are like, oh, no, I've read the books from the beginning. Like, no, I, I didn't. The first book came out in 1997 in the UK and 98 in the US. And I don't think I read it until like 2000, 2001, something mm -hmm. like that. So I'm not an OG reader or anything. <laughs> but you were like a movie watcher turned reader. Yes, because I thought the first movie was good. Now, it left out a lot. If, if we're just looking at the first movie in general. It left out that whole beginning about Vernon and Dudley and, and and Petunia. I'm okay with that. It's not it's not essential. It definitely changes how you see the Dursleys, but it's not essential to the movie at all. And so I'm okay with that. I'm okay with them leaving out Dudley's friend that went to the zoo with them. It's okay. Like it's that's not essential to the movie. I thought in terms of the first movie, they did a lot of things correctly until the end of the movie when they pretend that Harry just got through most of that shit on his own. So they literally get you down there and, you know, they get caught in the devil's snare and then they do the key thing and then they play chess. Okay. Well, after that, there is another section that they leave out. They leave Ron on the chessboard and he and Hermione go to the next, to the next thing because they realize while they're down there each one of the professors has helped to guard it so this next one has to be Snape's so they know it's a potions thing and Hermione is way better at potions, potions than, than either of them and it's a riddle to figure out which one is going to get you through the fire unscathed one of them one of the potions will send you back to the chessboard through some flames that have risen up this way and you won't be able to go any further and one of them will send you through so and there's also a bunch of them that might kill you so Hermione deduces which one it is she gets she takes the one that she knows is going to send her back through the fire and gives Harry the one that will send him forward so that she can go help Ron after that because they realize like all the professors have already done everything but instead they skip that one entirely and Harry's just there, there. and that would have been a really good opportunity to show once again Harry doesn't he doesn't just get by like and it's not he says in the movies a couple times that he's just lucky he's lucky to have friends like that yeah but he just didn't get there on blind luck he got there because hermione is fucking brilliant <laughs> and ron can play chess like all all of the things that he is able to do a defeat like even when he's hunting down the horcruxes like He's able to do it because he's lucky to have friends, but it's not luck that gets him by. It's the fact that Hermione knows what she's doing, and they really downplay her a lot in the movies, I feel. Well, I in my in my own personal opinion, at least within the first like two or three movies, she's more played as like the 
like the straight laced friend. Mm-hmm. But like that's supposed to be like a joke, not necessarily someone who actually helps Harry until yeah. like the two or three times that she actually does, and her knowledge is like useful. She's really only the straight laced friend in the first book because she's she's out to prove herself. All she wants to do is study. She is a you know she was born in the Muggle world and she just really wants to be the best witch ever or whatever. I mean, but she is so intelligent. She reads everything that she could possibly read about this. And why wouldn't she? Like, she didn't grow up knowing all of the other things that every other wizard does. Right. So she has to work hard. So she's not, she didn't have time to play in the first movie. She's like, I got to learn everything that I can possibly learn. I have to embrace every part of this wizarding community. And so everyone sees her as this boring, straight-laced, no-nonsense kind of person when she's just trying to play catch-up. The rest of the movies, she is. She's very into her studies, but she loosens up as a person. Right. And I don't feel like they show that a lot in the movies. I think it's it's only kind of present in, like, character moments here or there as she interacts with some people. But for the most part, like, she's consistent, almost consistently played until, like, the last few movies, in my opinion, uh, as, like I mentioned, like, the kind of straight-laced, yeah. uh, like, no-nonsense type, like, focus on my studies character and gets bothered when other people aren't doing the same yeah really i think that the the first time they show it in the movies is probably in um prisoner of azkaban when she punches draco in the face that's what i was going to reference like they they show it there and then a little bit in the goblet of fire but i will say in the goblet of fire they did a really good job when she comes down the stairs and she's trying to have a good night and she's dancing um, with Crumb, and she's, and then after that, she cries because Ron has ruined everything or whatever. That was really the first really big moment in the movies that I thought that they captured the real Hermione, where she she believes that she's earned it. She's studied, she's worked hard, and finally, someone is noticing her for not just being like this brainy know it all. Like he's noticing her, and he thinks that she's beautiful, and that you know she's not just this boring person or whatever and she tries to have a good time and then ron has to be like a spoil sport about it and she sits there and cries and she's not a crier Crier, like by any means she is in fact like i don't i think that's the weakest we've ever actually seen her yes because she's in, in all the other situations she's been in even if she's emotionally distraught she's been like we need to get shit done. Well, and or Hermione, at least I need to get shit yes, done. Yes, and Hermione knows that. Like, I'm sorry, Hermione literally, in, I mean, you see it in the movie as well, but she literally wipes her parents' memories away to protect them. You're telling me that's not the strongest bitch you've ever seen? Like, she's literally like, I will give up everything to make sure that... You guys you know, are safe. Yeah, that they're safe and that Dumbledore, or not Dumbledore, and that Voldemort is gone. Like, I'm not messing with this shit anymore. I put in too much time into this and I am the one that can get it done, but I know that they're going to be at risk if they remember me. So she literally tears away and her parents mean everything to her. She writes them owls all the time and they, they come to, you know, events and they've, they've met Dumbledore several times and, you know, they really try to immerse themselves in a world where, you know, Hermione's still proud of her parents, even though they're muggles. Right. She has no... The, in the movie, they're like, oh, um, my parents are dentists, and she almost looks embarrassed about it. Like, book Hermione is not embarrassed about her parents at all. They've worked hard to provide for her, and yeah, unfortunately, they're not magical, but, like, they support her 100%. So she literally wiped the memories away from her biggest support system, just in order to protect them. Like, she's smart, she's strong, and she will get shit done. I feel like she is, like 
all of the houses in one where like she's she's so intelligent and always wants to learn things like a Ravenclaw, okay? But she's loyal as fuck. Like she will have your back and that is like a huge Hufflepuff trait. But at the same time, like she is willing to do whatever it takes to accomplish whatever goal she has set and that is a Slytherin trait right there but she's in Gryffindor like she does a really good job of like showing okay I'm sorry I'm nerding out but like she does a really good job of showing all of them where I don't feel like Ron or Harry really embody that and it's weird for Harry because Harry as a character is supposed to possibly be put into Slytherin or whatever like the the hat's even saying like no like Slytherin would help you thrive and Harry hardly has ambitions at all. And he's certainly not cunning. I'm sorry. But, like, literally, think about it in the first movie, okay? All of his envelopes are being flown into the house. He's trying to get one of them. And he keeps trying to grab all the flying ones from the air when there's stagnant ones on the ground right below him that he could easily pick up. And they're not trying to fly everywhere and get everything. You're you're real dumb, okay? There's no cunning to you at all. <laughs> There's no intel. Like, he doesn't match any of the other houses. And, unfortunately, Ron really just kind of matches this weird, like, stereotype that Hufflepuff got put in where they're just kind of dumb and like to eat food. And that's a really terrible stereotype, and I'm sorry that I'm even saying it because, like, obviously that's not what a lot of Hufflepuffs are. But, like, that's kind of, like, the stereotype that Ron falls under. It's just really weird. But then Hermione is like, no, I'm the perfect blend of everything. Like... (laughs) I love Hermione as a character. And you just don't get to see her grow in the movie. You don't get to see a lot of things in the movie. Which usually doesn't bother me. It really, it usually doesn't. Because as much as I would have loved to see this one thing in the Hunger Games or this thing in the Mortal Instruments or whatever other movies uh, of books that I've read that I really wanted, I understand that you can't put everything into a two-hour movie. It would literally be impossible. Not without making the movie either a bunch of parts or like more than two hours which most people aren't okay with exactly and you know so i get that but i feel like they left out harry potter specifically left out incredible incredible characters and they left out really important plot points and just overall they didn't do the best job of spacing is that how i want to put it like okay like with with dobby how you see him in the second movie and then you don't see him again until he dies like there, there were several opportunities to remind you that characters that were there. there, and they didn't. Like they did with Neville, for example. Like, Neville, yeah. Neville's not really important kind of until the end, but, like, he's still there doing stuff. Like, he he has, like, one line here or there, or, like like you said with the gillyweed, like, he has a situation that necessarily wouldn't have been there before. But, like, something to remind you that Neville's a character that matters. Yes. And, you know, but that, I mean, Neville is one of my biggest ones. Neville and Dudley are my two really big ones for how not to portray a character. Mm. Dudley, the rest of the time, is a dick. But, like, you're supposed to learn that even even those that make bad decisions, they have the opportunity to change. Can can grow out of them. Yeah, and they can redeem themselves. And Vernon is not that type. Vernon is stubborn, and he will not change his ways. But it's kind of supposed to show you that Dudley's not going to end up being like Vernon. Mm. And they didn't put that in there. And with Neville, they really do not explain to you in the movies at all that Neville could have just as easily been in Harry's shoes. And the only reason he's not is that Voldemort underestimated his parents. And you you don't know these kind of things unless you read the book or unless you're like me and, like, read everything on Pottermore that you can. And I've tried real hard not to divulge anything 
about Pottermore type shit. That could be a whole nother episode, Josh. Like just the things that JK Rowling has come up, come out with and like ex- explain things to like, just like for like, is a, that what Pottermore is? Yeah. So it's, it's technically a website where you can play games and stuff. Like you can make potions and like you get sorted. It's all quizzes that JK has come up with herself. So like she has determined what answers you do, what house you're going to be put in. You can also find out what your wand is. Um, you find out what your Patronus would be. Um, so like based on what you answer and based on kind of like the happy stuff in your life or whatever, mm-hmm. it'll tell you what I have. So I have a bloodhound. Bloodhound is my Patronus. Um, so, and you can also get sorted into your American schools now. So if you're interested at all in the Fantastic Beast and Where to Find Them franchise and Ilvermorny, the school that's actually here in America, you can get sorted into that. Um, for any of those of you that are interested, I'm a Slytherin at Hogwarts and I am a horned serpent at, um, at Ilvermorny, which is actually not like the same thing. It's actually closer to a mix between Ravenclaw and Gryffindor, which is kind of weird, but anyway... Yeah, you you get to do fun things like that, but she also writes backstories for everything. So, like, you find out, for example, that um, the Whomping Willow was put into place so that um, Remus would have a safe place to change. So, he anytime that there was a full moon, the reason that the Shrieking Shack is known for being haunted is because Remus would have his changes in there, and they would hear him screaming as he transformed, and so they thought it was haunted. And the Whomping Willow is in place because there's a spot that you can press on the tree where it keeps it, like, stagnant for a little bit so that he can get in there safely. And that's how that's why it leads to the Shrieking Shack. Oh. Um, and, like, you don't know that unless you go read, like, her little backstory. You don't find out that all of the guys became, an, it became anime guys so that they could follow Sirius. Or no, so that they could follow Remus during his transformations. So, like, part of the reason they're all friends is that over an entire three years because it takes three years for you to become an anime guy you have i mean there's other ways that you can do it but the easiest way to do it is is i mean it's it's a quicker way but the way that you don't get caught basically will take like three years and it involves like holding this concoction in your mouth (laughs) for like months at a time (laughs) so they did this for three years became anime guy just so that they could go on him and protect so, him. I just, I just want to stop. Like, I, I just want to interrupt you for just a second because every time you say, I don't know, have you say it one more time? It sounds like you're saying anime guy. Kind of. So, in, in a singular form, it's an animagus. It's a person that can willingly transform into an animal. Um, oh, okay. Anime guy would be the the, the plural. plural version. Oh, okay, of okay. So you're like cacti, basically, yes. is what you're. Okay. Yes, and so. Um, you know, when you are an animagus, you're supposed to report it to the ministry so that they can keep track of you. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't report theirs. Right. And you also don't find out about Rita Skeeta. Um, she's, that's actually in the books. So um, it's another reason that Hermione is wonderful because she finds out. Um, do you remember when all these weird stories were getting leaked um, to the Daily Prophet about Harry and about how he's getting in trouble at school? And yeah. All- so Rita Skeeta is an animagus. She's an undocumented animagus. She's a ladybug. And Draco, when he hops out of the tree in the fourth book, it's because he was actually talking to her up in the tree and giving her all of this falsified information or whatever. Yeah. So Hermione figures it out and locks her in a jar. And she's just like, I'm not letting you out, bitch. And hides her away. <laughs> and she's stuck in a jar. <laughs> um, and Wouldn't then- that kill her? 
No, because Hermione, like, checks on her and stuff. Like, she doesn't, she doesn't kill her or anything. But she agrees to let her out and keep her secret if she starts writing the stuff about Harry that she needs to be writing or whatever um, mm. after, especially after like Dumbledore dies and stuff. And so she actually gets Rita Skeeta on their side by blackmailing her. Like, I'm sorry, Hermione would make an excellent Slytherin. Like seriously, she would. <laughs> um, but there's just so many things that you, I, I know that I could probably give a million and a half more examples of things that aren't in the books or things that you don't know unless you've read the books. Um, but I feel like I've given you enough that if you still don't want to read the books, you're never going to want to Well, read no, I, you've definitely given me uh, more than a couple reasons to at least revisit the books. Yeah. Uh, and I need to go fish out my old copy of the first one, which I know mm-hmm. is probably still at my mom's house somewhere. Either way, uh, this has been quite informative. <laughs> it's also been a very interesting change of pace for you to uh, enlighten me. I feel on, weird. On like, a lot of things. The whole time I felt really weird, not only because I feel like I talk so much, but because, like, I'm expecting you to be like, Megan, I'm a god. I've got this. It's okay. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm not a god when it comes to Harry Potter. I am. I'm a pleb. Anyway, I love Harry Potter. I hope that you guys, too, too. If you haven't read the books, if you haven't seen the movies, please go on and do it. If you haven't been sorted, like, Pottermore is a really fun place. It's a really fun community. I'm definitely going to check that out. Right after this episode. I'm interested to see what you are. I actually, I feel like I'll like tweet about it, put it on Facebook or whatever. I'll let everybody know kind of what, what Josh ends up being. Yeah, that'll be a fun little comparison. As long as I'm not a Hufflepuff, I think I'll be okay. Uh, Hufflepuffs are really loyal and awesome, and you should be honored to be a Hufflepuff. I mean, I probably should be, but like... I could I, see you as a Puff. No. I could. Anyway, well, we'll, we'll tweet about that. <laughs> Either way, uh, this has been another Potter... I can't. Potter I can't. Sewed. Harry Potter. Sewed. I was trying to think of like a like a like a an adjective involving the word Potter, like a Potterific Potter, episode. Yeah, it's been a very Potterific episode of the podcast. <laughs> My name is Joe. <laughs> My name is Megan. And we will see you all next, next week. week. Stay awesome. <laughs> Fuck! I am a Hufflepuff. It's okay. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, You're it's going not. To learn to embrace it and love it. And Hufflepuffs and Slytherins actually make really good friends. I mean, I guess that's useful, but fuck! <laughs> Damn it!